This is the Blatcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. Very excited to be joined by Frank Hannon of Tesla and the Frank Hannon Band. We'll talk about uh, all things uh, Frank Hannon. But Frank, first of all, thank you for uh, joining me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Hey, Christian. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it's uh, you and I, I was telling you before we started, you and I spoke very briefly uh, on the show once. And uh, more than that, though, your name comes up a lot in a good way. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I've talked to, uh, uh, let's see, I've talked to Aaron Lee, who uh, is or was in your in your your solo band. But then I've also talked to Red Voodoo, Austin Moe and uh, JT Lux, all of whom uh, really sing your praises for helping get their career started. And that's kind of where I wanted to start all these great, really talented up and coming bands. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people might, you know, maybe like sit down for a cup of coffee, give them some advice and be like, all right, good luck to you kid. But, uh, it seems like you really take an interest when you hear something good, you, uh, you really do your part to help out. Right. Oh, well, I, I guess so, man, you know, it's, and the reason I'm hesitating with that is because, it's 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 really fun. I'm really into to being creative and and um, it's so fun to work with other people and uh, collaborate. And um, uh, I've had some great experiences with that, but I've also had some bad experiences that went south where, you know, uh, the situation didn't really pan out as I had hoped. But it all comes from my love of recording and, and, uh, I'm in my studio right now. This is my home studio. Nice. And, uh, I got addicted to the art of overdubbing and creating, uh, recordings and demos and albums or whatever. It all comes down to recording and creating something that you can play back. And that was taught to me and us and our band when I was like a, a teenager, you know, uh, 16 years old by Ronnie Montrose. And I want to show you this picture that I have hanging on my wall right there. Yeah, for our, for our audio audience, it's a picture of uh, Ronnie right there uh, yeah. hugging a guitar. <laughs> That's a painting of Ronnie Montrose. And when I was 16 years old, um, Ronnie would come up to our band rehearsals because he discovered us in a club from another guy that was helping us immensely. His name was Steve Clausman, and he was basically uh, our manager at the time. And he had a warehouse, and he let us practice there. And he he was like a drill sergeant. He forced us to work and be on time and schedule our practices and blah 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 blah. He really hammered us. So I learned a lot of that stuff myself from those guys. And I was very lucky with Brian Wheat and Tesla and, and City Kid as a club band to succeed in this freaking crazy business and learn how to write songs and make tapes and recordings and all that from these people that were teaching us. So it was always fun throughout my entire career, like even when I was in my 20s, I had a lot of great musician friends that weren't succeeding and I was just trying to help them succeed and, and learn what I had learned. And, uh, but unfortunately more often than not, um, 
a lot of musicians wouldn't stick to the program. You got to stick to it, man. It's, it takes a lot of commitment and hard work to do uh, music in a band. And uh, anyway, I just went on a rant, man. You, 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 uh, you, you got no, me but I mean, it, it, look, it's important. I, I, I've known and I've worked with a number of comedians over the years and, you know, like people will ask them, you know, well, what do I do to succeed? It's like, well, if, you, if you're asking, you know, you probably don't already know. And I mean, for comedians, it was a lot of like, yeah, you know, go up like, you know, 10 times a week. And for bands, I assume it's like, are you, are you playing every day? I don't mean playing in front of a crowd every day. Are you just, you know, actually, you know, when you're starting out, I assume it's like, you know, they talk about Malcolm Gladwell in those 10,000 hours. It's a lot of like, yeah, like, you know, make yourself good. And, uh, you know, and the way to do that is just to kind of do it, right? Yeah, yeah. There is so much and so many aspects to it. I mean, just the uh, the uh, process of getting three, four, five guys to show up on time for more than one day a week to <laughs> practice right. uh, is just one tiny aspect of it. Then you got the aspect of learning some cover tunes or beyond that, starting to write your own ideas and then ultimately learning how to record them and make them sound good by listening and, and getting along and keeping that process all together as a group collectively. It's freaking it's it's a lot of work and it's a, it's very difficult. And a lot of these young bands don't realize that and they give up and they quit. And a lot of the bands that I did try to help would break up after we spent all this time recording a killer product and they learned and they got good. And then all of a sudden they get an argument, you know, and we quit, you know, stuff like that, 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 that can tend to be really frustrating. But, uh, anyway, there's a lot to it. And, sure. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And the uh, recording but, uh, process though is what I love. And, and I would always love to when i hear a talented musician like a jt lux or like red voodoo uh they're talented kids and they were fun to record uh, uh oh looks like we uh looks like we lost frank for a second there there yeah. you are that was <laughs> my alarm out. my alarm clock telling me that i had an interview to do <laughs> that's a good yeah. hey you you you're ahead of the alarm clock that's uh some kind of time traveler or something <laughs> You know, back when we were young, it was about uh, making cassette tapes that you could give to your friends, you know, sure, and share yeah. and pass around, uh, you know. And so I, I you know, Austin Moe um, uh, had some great ideas and I taught him how to put them into a song format. You know, um, I love producing videos as well. It's all production. You're creating you're creating stuff, you know, producing videos, songs, arranging songs. And uh, we were taught and learned all that stuff over the years from people like Ronnie Montrose. Uh, Dwayne Hitchings was a songwriter back then that we used to work with. Tesla worked with a lot of great producers. Terry Thomas, uh, Max Norman even worked with us for a minute. Uh Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero uh, made our first four albums. And all along that way, man, I was taking notes and learning and, and learning how to craft songs. And, and that, so that's where that came from. Well, it sounds like one of those things, too, that, uh, you know, you're in the studio just recording. You're, you know, you're around these talented people. And, you know, you can uh, keep your head down and do your part or you can kind of watch what they're doing and learn from them. I mean, it's like when you think for a second that throughout the 80s, two of our most prolific movie directors were Ron Howard and, you know, he was in a TV show. And instead of just doing his TV show, he like tried to figure out how to do all that. You know, Penny Marshall, the same thing. She could have just been on Laverne and Shirley and he never heard of her again. But instead it's like, well, I'm here on the set. So why don't I learn what to do? And it sounds like if you're in the studio you know, let's let, let me see. Well, what happened? What happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? You know, and, and uh, just kind of getting a sense, you know, that's like Clint Eastwood, you know, he directs his yeah. movie, he, you know? Um, yeah. And so there's that aspect of the studio and creating a recording uh, and overdubbing and, and putting it together and, and writing the songs and taking an idea that comes out of nowhere and turning it into a song like modern day cowboy or changes or 
or, you know, the songs that we've created or, you know, I've got like six solo albums that I've done, but, you know, and I'm continually learning. Like I'm still trying to learn how to sing a lead vocal. I mean, that's going to drive me crazy. Guitar comes easy uh, to me, but the, uh, then there's the aspect of playing live. You know, that's the sure. live performance is a whole nother thing that a band has to get on the same page for. So, yeah, I tried to help these kids, you know, and uh, some of them, some of them are loyal and hardworking and some of them aren't. JT Lux is in Nashville and he's really kicking ass. I'm proud of him. Uh, we're going to do some work in May together. Well, I'm glad to hear it because he was, uh, he was always, first of all, just really nice, but, uh, he was very thoughtful whenever I would talk to him, you know, he really thought a lot about music, his own music. And he just seemed to have, you know, sort of been like a sponge and soaked a lot of stuff up. So I was glad, I'm glad to hear that, uh, JT's doing well. He's got a great attitude and he thinks, uh, about other people, not just his own, uh, he's not on an ego trip, like some of these other young artists that I've dealt with, but anyway, Getting back to recording, what I'm really super excited about is my production and stuff is being applied to Tesla. And I'm really excited about that because we just recorded a, a killer live version of a, of a song in my garage and shot a video that I directed with my cameraman. Uh, Brandon Golian is a young, talented uh, camera guy, and he and I work together and it's just live in the garage and it's tesla tesla has been more productive now than we have in a long time and it's great brian wheat i'll show you we've got a a control room set up in this other room over here for brian wheat so i can capture the recording in the studio downstairs in the garage and then we can bring it up here and then right here brian's got his laptop set up he hasn't showed up yet today he's on his way and he'll mix it here. So between he and I, we're able to create it. We just recorded this killer Aerosmith cover, um, an old uh, rockin' song that Aerosmith recorded in uh, 1974 called S.O.S. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, from Get Your Wings, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, that's going to come out. We got some new original songs we're writing. Um, and we're mixing a live album that we recorded at Full Throttle Saloon during uh, Sturgis of last year. Nice. So uh, a lot of great stuff happening with Tesla, and we're heading to Las Vegas next week. To yeah, that's uh, yeah. There's a, a lot of stuff in there that I want to talk about. Uh, one of those being the fact that you guys are about to do a, a residency at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. I believe it's starting on the uh, 18th, and uh, I will actually be in uh, Las Vegas during that stretch. So I've already squared it away and uh, I'll be there on the 22nd. And uh, I haven't, uh, I think the last time I saw you guys, you uh, played at the Canyon club and uh, up in Agora Hills before the pandemic. So I haven't seen you guys in a few years. So uh, I'm excited to check out the show. And whenever I talk to anybody in Tesla, uh, I, I, I've done this a few times with Brian. I always have to show off my uh, pus head uh, Nikolai Tesla T-shirt that I have from 1992. Oh, that, yeah. uh, Brian is always just impressed that I can still wear a shirt that I bought in 1992. Now, the reason for that is I bought an extra large in 1992 and the sizes were different back then. I guess the world's changed a little bit. And <laughs> an extra large from 1992 is, uh, well, also my, my size has changed a little bit. But I'm excited about a, a residency. I've seen a few bands do residencies uh, in Vegas. And, uh, are you going to approach those shows different than, uh, you know, than any other show? I mean, not really in terms of the performance, but in terms of putting together the set list or anything, do you have anything different planned for the, yeah. the residency shows? Yes. That's why Tesla is, is, uh, blocked out the rehearsal space here at my studio for the whole week. Today we're playing, we're going to practice, uh, on the list, six new songs that we haven't played in ages and uh and we're gonna change our set every night we're gonna open the show with a different song every night um i'm in the process right now of, of messing around with some craziness listen to this sound <laughs> i'm, I'm nice a, a crazy uh intro for the shows 
and then we're gonna go and that's, start it with a different it's, song. It's, it's very, oh. it's very Sticks Kilroy that sound, you know, like uh, before Mister Roboto, you know, sort of like the <laughs> the part where they're all on stage like yelling at each other. Yeah, but, uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's just one of I've got about forty sounds that I've been going through this morning. But the point is, is we're gonna start the show with something different like that, and then we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, play a different song to open this show every night and that's our plan like we're working up change in the weather that's the opening song from psychotic supper we haven't played that since the psychotic supper days 1992 which was guy can you believe it 30 years ago already? i know this uh <laughs> this uh this this t-shirt is 30 years old that tour was 30 years old uh, that, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I love that album. Uh, so, uh, as many things as you include from there, you know, if you guys are working up talk about it, uh, that's always a fun one for me, but, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you've got in mind, but, uh, yeah, changing the weather is, I, I think, look, it's important. I mean, the way that you used to put music together, what's the first song going to be, you got to start off strong and, and now it's like, well, it's a collection of songs in, in my phone. So I might be listening to the previous album and then it runs into the next one. And I think a lot of bands don't, you know, take it seriously like they did back then. So uh, I, I like to hear that you're, you know, working up some new stuff uh, well, and, you know, got five nights in the same place. Yeah. And now we, I just heard today there's another residency that they're talking about booking us maybe June or July or in the fall. So Oh, the alarm's going off again. <laughs> that freaking alarm clock. Sorry, man. Um, no worries. So, yeah. So the fact that we can stay in the same venue and not have to drive on a bus for all night long in a truck and our crew doesn't have to change anything, it totally gives us this new freedom to be able to, to experiment with changing our show. Um, when you're on a tour that you're traveling every night, the only consistency thing that you have is the show. So you tend to keep the set list consistent because that's the only consistent thing in your schedule. With this situation, we're going to be there consistently for the whole two weeks or whatever and five right. shows without moving. Wow. Well, that gives us a lot of uh, room to where we can experiment. So we're doing change in the weather. We're going to probably break out solution off the bust a nut album. Um, we're going to bust out Love Me off Mechanical Resonance. Man, this phone is making me feel dizzy here. Let me, is that better? <laughs> it's uh, back. Yeah, if you, if, if, if you turn it this way, maybe it, it won't uh, be so jumpy. You know, if you hold it, uh, yeah, see, there you go. Hey, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, a, it, it's, it, it, it was like a, an Aaron Sorkin show for a minute, the way that the cameras would move so much and, you know, with people when they walk around like on hey, the sports it. night or the West Wing. I don't know what, if anybody else on your interviews, oh, that's better too, look. <laughs> yeah it's there we go. It, every yeah it's perfect though uh so uh let's see so you know and the thing about doing a residency obviously is that a lot of people are gonna go to more than one show you're going to different cities the way you're talking about on a traditional tour you know it's uh you can't really mix it up too much and you've got a few songs that you have to play every night i mean any any band should be happy to have that problem but uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head, you've got what, at least five or six songs. that if you don't play, people are going to be like, man, they were good, but they didn't play the song I came for, you know? So yeah, uh, every night we're going to play love song. We're going to play what you give modern day cowboy. And, you know, those are definites, uh, right. you know, um, but some nights we're going to try song and emotion, other nights we're going to do change in the weather, you know, yeah. And that's what we're doing today. Starting today, tomorrow and Friday, we're going to be hammering out and picking out some rarities. Another one is called Dear Private Leadbetter. It's a tribute to, to our soldiers and our armed forces. And we're going to touch on that one and see how it feels. Um, we may even break out that Aerosmith song at, at one of the shows. You know, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's funny because it's it's hard to think about, you know, a, a track on uh, Get Your Wings being a, a lesser known Aerosmith song. But I mean, it is because, you know, there's like five Aerosmith songs from the 70s that people hear on the radio for the most part. And uh, but that there, yeah, there's so many great songs on on those old albums. And, you know, that's a band that did the res residency thing uh, over a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of a lot of bands are happy to just, you know, not have to 
you know, be on a plane, even even on a, a nice jet like they have the next night. If you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to bed, you know, and I'll, I'll do the show again later. So I, I think that'll probably be great for you guys. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to get out to the show and uh, see it myself. Uh, you're talking about working on a, a live album. I wanted to talk to you about uh, I think it's a few years ago now, but a live recording you guys put out, uh, you recorded, you basically did the songs or, or you did a selection of songs from the uh, five man acoustical jam album and you did it at, uh, at Abbey road and then put that out. So uh, I, I, want, I was wondering what was it like just to, just to have been in the room, even if you didn't play, even if you didn't have a crowd, even if you didn't record an album, talk about just being there at Abbey Road. Yeah, that was a, uh, that, what you're talking about was the ultimate part of that experience was just walking through those, those hallowed halls, you know, uh, like Shakespeare would say, you know, the, the, just being in that room and knowing what music was recorded there from, you know, Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon and the, the Beatles and all the just, I mean, if those walls could talk, I mean, and it just sounded so good in there. It was like the perfect size room. And uh, it was a little bit of a nerve, nervous experience in a sense of, you know, we only prepared for it for like a week. It was a last minute thing that was put together in, in, with the idea of it being a uh, tribute to five man acoustical jam. Um, and there was a small audience of people that like 10 people and all they were, were press people with notepads and pencils. And they were like sitting there taking notes while we were playing in this legendary Abbey road <laughs> studios and they were filming it all at the same time. And so it was a little bit of a nervous experience but the people there were very hospitable and we got to, they gave us the tour. We got to see John Lennon's piano. We got to see Paul McCartney's harpsichord, you know, all these cool things and got to touch the knobs of the, the mixing board that Pink Floyd used on dark side of the moon, you know? So uh, that was a, a great experience. And, Honestly, maybe, you know, we could talk about this. I have the double neck guitar that I used on that five man video band London Jam DVD that came out that I'm going to maybe auction off for charity here pretty soon. So um, if there's any fans out there that are watching this that would be a fan of that Abbey Road session, uh, keep your ears open for that uh, charity benefit I'm going to do with that guitar. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, people who, uh, you know, are, are sort of in that that business of, uh, you know, getting guitars, uh, obviously, that would be a particularly memorable one. So, uh, you know, somebody that uh, that has one of those walls with the guitars that they that they don't actually play, but, uh, you know, they have cool stories, you know, like uh, that guy, uh, Jim Ursay, who owns the Colts. I know he just did an event in Vegas and one of the guitars he has is the is the guitar that Kurt Cobain played in the Smells Like Teen Spirit video. But I mean, he spent like millions of dollars for it, you know, and so, yeah. you know, I saw that uh, recently. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, uh, a lot of legendary artist guitars go for major, major bucks. Um, I guess after they pass away, the value goes up. Um, this one's not going to be one percent of that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. But anyway. uh, still, still very cool. Uh, you know, you uh, you were talking about some of the songs you were working up, and uh, you you mentioned the uh, the Bust a Nut album, which uh, I believe it came out in 1994. And you know, people who followed the music industry know that. Uh, to me, I thought that was a great album. I was very excited when it came out. It was in a stack of CDs that I bought that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different music happening at that time, you know, that you, you had your Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and, you know, Metallica was bigger than ever. But uh, some bands kind of got lost in the shuffle. I think for the most part, it was what people called the glam bands, the hair bands. You guys weren't part of that scene, but it also felt like for whatever reason, that album just got completely overlooked. And uh, do you feel that that album didn't get a fair shake or was that maybe just the perception of the, of the fans? Um, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Um, 
you know, yeah, the music business and the radio and all that and MTV was changing, you know, uh, in the nineties, but, you know, we had a lot of problems uh, internally as well. You know, we never really took a break. And so, uh, by the time it came to making that album, you know, it just is what it is. Every great band, I don't care if it's Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, whatever, they have 10 solid killer years and like four or five killer albums. And then it kind of fizzles out. It runs its course. And then if the band's great, they'll come back and they'll do another run, you know? And luckily we've had three 10 year runs, man. We're going on 35 years. So there's a lot of waves and yeah, that record kind of came out at, at, at a point where we were on a downward wave, you know, but then we came back a few years with uh, Into the Now. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Tesla albums. Yeah, and uh, you know, you guys have uh, put out a, a few albums uh, over the last uh, decade or so, but uh, the thing that, that I notice is that, you know, sort of between the albums, you will just put out songs. I know over the last year, there've been a, a couple. Uh, do you like sort of that model of, you know, things tend to be a little bit more single driven right now. You guys still do the albums, but uh, it's a little bit of like, hey, don't forget about us. Here's a here's a song or two. Uh, yeah, man, we're having fun. I, I'm having more fun with the way technology is now, um, you know, and with singles, because, you know, we can write a song and feel great about it and put it out and live in the moment and have it out now while it's fresh, you know, instead of like spending six months or a year getting in a room and trying to hammer out 12 songs and, and, and go through that whole process. We've already been there and done that, you know, and, and we can only cram so many songs in a 90 minute set anyway. So to try to beat ourselves up and, and create a whole new full album, when we're only going to put one in the set list, it makes more sense just to do it how we're doing it right now. I feel. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I, in a weird way, I guess it's easier to shine a spotlight on on one song than it is uh, on, on a new album in some ways. Well, you know, if because you make it, a whole new album, they only release one song anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. And, and, know, and then it's a lot of like with the songs released and then, you know, there's there's figuring out like where are they going to play it, you know, because. It, you you have a lot of you know you have all those specialty stations on like Sirius XM and you'll hear Tesla a lot but you won't hear anything from like the last thirty years and it's not unique to you guys you know LA Guns puts out albums like every six months it seems like but nobody plays anything from the twenty first century you know so it's like just yeah. having a good outlet where it's like hey you love this band maybe listen to this song you know but but you know even Journey puts out a new album and and nobody plays it you know. Well, there's that, but you got to do it not for that. You got to do it because you love doing it. And hey, if something happens where JK and I and Brian and the band gets together and we freaking get a creative burst and we write fucking six songs or whatever and it happens and we bam, then we'll do it, you know. But for right now, we're having more fun doing it this way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Frank, I, uh, I'm excited that you guys are about to get together and uh, excited to see the, uh, the the show on the residency that I'll be there for on uh, March 22nd. And, uh, you know, the fact that you guys are mixing up the set list means that uh, I'm going to go online and, and see what you guys have played the shows before. Sometimes I like to be surprised, but if you guys are going to mix it up, uh, I'll, I'll kind of get a feel for what's happening. And uh, like I said, I haven't seen you in a few years, so uh, excited to get out there. Uh, beyond uh, the residency and any touring you have, uh, obviously you're talking about uh, this this live album that you recorded in the garage, or maybe it was just a song. Uh, is there is there stuff that's uh, ready to come out soon, or is it all is that always up to like record company people? It's like well, when they want us to put out more, maybe that's what we'll do. No, we're our own record company now. We're right. uh, completely independent, do it yourselfers. Uh, we're producing it ourselves, and the uh, the live album is just about 99% done. Uh, the artwork, all of it that is created. Uh, we're just putting the finishing touches on it now, and then uh, we'll put it out as soon as it, they can, you know, the, the computer distribution, all that stuff can be lined up. But that'll be out this this spring. Is Okay, is and, a full and that... Sorry, the the phone rang uh, at the same time, but uh, so, and that's the show that you guys did at Sturgis. So it's yeah, uh, part it's called, of yeah. it's called Full Throttle Live, and it's going to be mostly rock and tracks, and it's going to have 
our new songs, Cold Blue Steel on it, and Time to Rock, our latest lyric video, our latest rockin' song. And all the other songs on it are the more deeper tracks. There's no like signs or love song on it. It's got heavy songs on it, like Miles Away and Breaking Free and stuff that we've never released live versions of until now. Oh uh, yeah, that's got to be great. I think uh, to be able to you know stretch out and get some of that stuff, you know, it's uh, I you know I've I've never uh, had the kind of money to spend to go on uh, uh, on like the Kiss cruise. But when you see the songs that they play on that, because it's like the people that are such diehards, they're like, yeah, they they don't want to hear the you know the twenty songs we usually play. And uh, you know w- when you get to see a band maybe uh, do something that's a little different, there, you know, there's always that like moment of like, oh my god, it's that song that you know I've never heard live. So uh, excited to uh, check out that album when it comes out and check out the show. Uh, Frank, uh, people can find you just uh, frankhannon.com and teslatheband.com. Am I missing any uh, social medias or anything that uh, we should get out there for everybody? Yeah, there's Tesla the Band on Instagram. We spend a lot of time on Instagram, which is linked to Facebook. Tesla the Band, uh, Frank Hannon Official, um, each guy, Dave Rude, Brian, we, we all have that, you know, Instagram stuff going on. And, uh, but yeah, Tesla, the band is the keywords for that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I'm going to echo what, uh, Dominicus Saxon in our chat says, this was a good interview. Thanks guys. Thank you, Dominicus, for checking us out and uh, make sure to check out, uh, he lives in Idaho. So the next time Tesla's in Idaho, make sure you check them out. Uh, Dominicus Saxon, I appreciate it. Even though this was live, is it going to be recorded and out Mm -hmm. there where we can be shared? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, this, this same live link will, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work it out with, uh, Jody, the publicist, but I'll send her the link to make sure you get it. And, uh, there'll be an audio version as part of the podcast, but then this video will live on YouTube. Basically, as soon as I, I click end broadcast, it's already archived on YouTube. So people okay, will be able to find it. Whenever. People, there's a lot of fakes out there. There's a people have been posing and being imposters. So when you go to our Instagram, Tesla, the band or myself, Look for the blue check mark and any of the other ones are phony fakes. If they're asking you for, you know, kisses or hugs or donations, <laughs> don't fall yeah. for it. Yeah. Like, Hey, Hey, this is Frank Hannon. I'm so glad you're a fan. Can you give me $500 in target gift cards, please to show what a fan you are? Yeah. Or a PM me for a, a date night. That, that's been a big <laughs> one. Right. That's probably, it's probably a lot more of that out there than target gift cards. Uh, Frank, right, uh, I, I really appreciated you taking the time and uh, looking forward to seeing the show and uh, talking to you again sometime soon. There you go, buddy. Hey, I got to go. Talk talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Christian. All right. Thank you, uh, Frank Hannon. And thanks to uh, everybody uh, in the chat, uh, Dominicus Saxon and uh, everyone else. TeslaTheBand.com and uh, all the social media that they mention on there. Joining me now on the Black Cast from Fastest Land Animal, Screaming Jack Novak. Jack, thank you. Welcome back to the show. Great to uh, get a chance to catch up with you. Good to see you again, Christian. Uh, how's everything? Everything's great. Uh, I <laughs> I just moved, so I found a corner where uh, I'm not. Uh, there's not towers of boxes right behind me. But uh, wow, they say that know. the most stressful things in order are. The third most stressful thing is like horrible disease or death near your family. The second most stressful thing is divorce. And the first most stressful thing that a human can go through supposedly is moving. So yeah, (laughs) my heart is that to you. I moved cross country from New York 20 years ago. Uh, Within the last week, I moved one mile (laughs) from one corner of Burbank to another. And uh, it was no less excruciating moving one mile Uh, in a way it was worse because it was like oh i can just take a lot of trips myself back and forth i don't need to use the movers for everything but uh so i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to uh stop 
unpacking the boxes in the new house. And uh, Fastest Land Animal, you guys have uh, your second album, uh, East Coast, West Coast, In Between. And uh, there's a a great song that's out. I know that there's a lyric video for it uh, for Close to You. Uh, Let's kind of touch base a little bit on, uh, we talked to you guys a couple of times uh, for the release of the first album. And uh, I think that was 2021, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, let us know how the reaction was and, uh, you know, how getting out there and uh, promoting the first album went for you guys. Well, the first album was, we, we did that, Right. We started recording right at the beginning of pandemic. Right. Uh, we were all trapped in our houses. We certainly couldn't tour. There was no touring. There was no gigs. There was no nothing. Right. Um, and I had a bunch of songs and I had an idea for uh, a band that's a little different from my our, my prior band with uh, some of these guys, not all the guys from the prior band, but a few of them. And uh, the idea was do something that's every song's at least 150 beats per minute. So every song's fast and it's a little more punky. Our, our last project, the cringe was a little more um, like sort of classic rock meets grunge. Uh, There's going to be a little more pop punky and, um, and how are we going to record this? We, we all are fortunate enough that we have our own home recording studios and we figured out through the magic of the internet and, uh, and, things like you and I are doing right now that we could record separately and then glue it all together at the end. We even worked with our, uh, our producer that we've been working with for years now, Don Gilmore. And uh, I was in New York. Um, the shark, our bass player, I'm sorry, our drummer was in uh, Houston, Texas. Um, Alphonse, our, our bass and guitarist was in Arizona and Don, our, our producer was in California but we managed to all work together. It was really efficient um, and did that first album. Then we couldn't tour. We released it, I guess, uh, early 21. And then finally uh, the world started opening up again. Then we actually went on the road and started touring, which was, it was great to be back. And we had a lot of fun and, uh, and I, I had more songs still. So we ended up wrapping the tour temporarily. We all went back to our home studios we record just the same exact process. We recorded it remotely, glued it all together at the end. Um, and because we're all over the country, that was hence the name East Coast, West Coast in between. And uh, we ended up touring off of that album as well. And in fact, we're going back out um, in a couple of months at the beginning of April uh, in support of the album, uh, which has it's out now uh, everywhere you consume music. Right, exactly. And uh, I, I think there's uh, one lyric video, but correct me if uh, maybe there's a couple, but uh, and then videos from the uh, the prior album, you can find all of it at uh, fastestlandanimal.com. Yeah, we have actually have a few, a few. Oh, fa- sorry, Band. I actually remember right. that from an earlier conversation. I, I just I just checked myself. Uh, it it yep. makes so much sense that, uh, but people are so used to saying .com. And I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, say we actually have a, a few music uh, lyric videos out now from the, the first, from the second album from East Coast okay. West in between. Uh, believe we have one out for Out of Range, one out for Cowboys in Nashville. I believe there's, uh, there's definitely one out for Next to You. Yeah. Uh, which is a cover, police cover. And then one out, and that's the first time we've ever recorded a cover. And one out just came out for uh, Run and Hide. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's funny because that song, it kind of reminds you uh, about the police that, uh, you know, obviously there were uh, a lot of different approaches. Uh, you know, one of their best known songs was Don't Stand So Close to Me. But then at the same time, sometimes, depending on who you are, they want you to be actually right next to them. So they can't you know. make up their mind. that sting cannot make up his mind. <laughs> Yeah, I think Don't Stand So Close to Me is usually uh, him talking to uh, Stuart and Andy. You know, I think usually it's like, it's like, no, actually, I'll just uh, I'll just do my Vegas residency. Yeah, I, it's all right. I've, I've heard there's an interesting band dynamic there when the, when the three of them get together. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, I think that's uh, that's what we've all heard. Um, let's uh, backtrack for a moment. Uh, talk about how you got to go out and uh, do some touring. I think the last time I talked to you, touring still wasn't really much of an option. Uh, what, uh, you know, did you, uh, 
latch on to any uh, specific tours or did you just kind of go around and do your own thing, jump on uh, shows with uh, certain bands when time's uh, allowed? Uh, how did it work out for you guys? Well, uh, we ended up to, I mean, we, we did a, a cobbled a bunch of stuff together, but we did a lot of touring with a band called Tesla, not to be confused with the car. They've been around longer than the car. Um, right. Yeah, no, we've uh, we've had uh, Frank and I've had Brian on the show a number of times. I'm a I'm a big Tesla, the band fan, and uh, I can't afford to be a Tesla, the car fan has has nothing to do with Elon and his approach to anything. It's just uh, I don't have the, I don't have Tesla, the Those car are- money, but I do have Tesla, the band money because their concert tickets are always affordably priced. Yeah, those 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 guys. I mean, we've known them for years and we were we're real tight with the guys in the band. And um, so we had been touring with them in our in our last band. And then when the world started opening up, they went back on the road. So we got in touch and they they dragged us along for a whole bunch of their shows. And they're still out touring. They, they were off. Uh, they took a break for the like the holiday season. Now they're going back out on the road and we're, we're going out with them again. And it, it's really great. Their crowds are amazing. They, they play uh, by the time, you know, we're, we're typically direct support to Tesla. And by the time we hit the stage, like the, the, everyone's butts are in seats, the, the, the venues are packed and the crowds at, you know, at this point, they kind they kind of know us because it's been so many years. And, and I remember like, the first time we went out with them as fast as land animal, people were looking at us going, I think they look familiar. Do we, do we know that from before the pandemic with they had different names or something? So, um, and you know, all the crew or it's, it's like, you know, old homecoming when we go back out with, with, with those guys. Yeah. I, I'll definitely attest to, uh, their crew. Uh, the, well, I actually don't know their crew. I meant the crowds though. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they're all in, they're very excited. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a band that, uh, it, well, not quite, but I was gonna say 40 years, but almost 40 years in a few years, the, they're actually, I think the band's been together for 40 years. Their first album was 86, but, uh, and, uh, you know, they're out still out there doing it. And, uh, yeah, they have a uh, Vegas residency uh, coming up at a time where I was already going to be in Vegas. So I'm very excited about that. Awesome. But uh, and uh, yeah, I've seen them uh, a number of times. And I think that uh, I can see how their fans was the point I was going to make that I can see how they would uh, appreciate the way that you guys you know, you're talking about how fast you play the songs. And um, what that does is whenever I've listened to, to the songs, it just uh, the songs being fast and, and, and quick they they do a good job of getting really kind of latched into your head that way you know it's uh right. it, it, it's something that the ramones figured out early on you know if your songs are if your songs are 90 seconds and fast and you say sheen is a punk rocker a bunch of times then uh, people are going to remember you you know there's a you know saying in the rock business uh, don't bore us get to the chorus so <laughs> there's something to be said for uh and you hit it up nail on the head with the ramones like there's something to be said for writing uh deceptively simple music at least it sounds simple but that's really hard to write a song that you immediately the you just the the hook both lyrically and and musically connects with you and you can't get it out of your head you just want to sing along every time you hear it and then when it's over you're still singing it you know even in your mind so uh, the ramones of course were they were masters at that uh the beatles maybe you know they almost I don't want to say they invented it, but you know they they are in a league of their own when it comes to writing uh, amazing, uh, amazingly crafted pop songs. Yeah, especially you know things like you know the earliest Beatles songs, like "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and stuff. If you bring up the lyrics for those songs you're like oh yeah it's actually mostly chorus there's little bits of verse you know it's like i i saw her standing there you know it's you know, paul, uh, you get- i've heard paul mccartney say in interviews that uh like he was asked or what did you do in the early days did you have like a tape machine next to your bed or in your next to your piano so that if a melody or hook came out you would be able to record it and not lose it and he said you know if uh if if we, if i i don't need to record it if I lost it, then it wasn't that good to begin with. And if it was that good to begin with, then I'll just remember it anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it, it's a great point. You got to figure when you're Paul McCartney, you have to think about, oh, what are the songs that he's forgotten? 
you know, that he's like, uh, he's like, oh, there was something in my head last night. That must not have been good enough. You know, probably had he remembered it, he could have had somebody else record it and, uh, you know, had it go triple platinum or whatever. But uh, I think uh, I, I think that that's I think a lot of people appreciate that from music. Sure. You know, like even. You know, a band like Guns N' Roses, they have a couple of 10-minute songs. But uh, when people think of Guns N' Roses, they think of the songs on Appetite for Destruction, which are, uh, of course, you know, fast and, and catchy. And, yeah, uh, you know, when you play four-hour concerts like Bruce Springsteen and Guns N' Roses, you need some of those longer songs. But uh, I think uh, I think it's great. And uh, I'm glad that the, uh, the, so the new album is out. And like you said, it's available everywhere. Uh, do you have a, a, a official, like, dates listed on the website or things still in the works for when you'll actually be out there promoting the second album. I know all the dates they're up here. We're not <laughs> announcing them quite yet. Okay. Uh, just cause some other things are being put in place and other bands are going to be on the bill. Um, but let's just say uh, April is when we will pack it up, pack our suitcases, kiss our families goodbye and uh, go out. Right. Well, that's uh, that's good. You know, one of the things you were talking about, about Tesla being direct support, uh, I think it's, uh, it, it, you know, it can be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I last summer I went to what they called the stadium tour where Motley Crue and Def Leppard headlined. And then you also had Poison. You also had Joan Jett. But the very beginning was a new, a great up and coming band called Classless Act. But in some of the cities, you know, they were going on at like 330 and the venue actually wasn't open yet. So like people were like, you know, listening to them, you know, from like the security lines outside and things like that. So it's, uh, it, it, you know, but of course that's a huge, that's a huge arena stadium. I mean, stadium tour, it's called the stadium tour. Yeah. But uh, when you can know that people are like, okay, they're already here. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's good. I mean, you know, for all the times that I've seen a band where I'm checking my watch and I'm like, I can't wait till the real band comes on. There's nothing that feels better than like, oh, who's this? You know, they really, you know, got my attention, you know. Yeah, this this happened to me years and years ago. I was I went to go see at the Vassar College gym, gymnasium in Poughkeepsie, New York. I went to see a band called uh the Specials. And sure, I know the specials, yeah. Yeah, and we got there early and the the venue, I mean the gym was pretty much, you know, maybe 30% full, but there was not a lot of people there. And the people that were there were just talking and not paying attention to the band that was uh, the warm-up act that night. And I was watching this band and I'm like, holy bleep, this band, <laughs> I've never heard a band. I've never seen something like this. This They're special. Who are these guys? And I recognized one of their songs because I'd heard it on college radio at the time. It was called Radio Free Europe. And that band, of course, was R.E.M. And wow. That you know, and then they became REM, but they they were not playing to a capacity crowd. A lot of those people weren't paying attention, but they had something special, and they they just you knew that they they were going to be huge. It just was undeniable. Yeah, no, I think that there are definitely those bands. You know, uh, I'm I'm I've usually been right about that. The one that uh, I saw the Black Crows on their first tour, they opened for Aerosmith, and I don't think they had their whole thing sort of worked out yet. You know, and because uh, I saw them again years later, and of course they were amazing. But uh, I just remember kind of like, what's their deal? Like, we're already here to see Steven Tyler. Why does this guy kind of try to move like him versus Mick Jagger? Uh, but usually <laughs> that's that's my example of a bad one of these. But usually when you see somebody and they really catch your attention, uh, you know, I mean, I think that that's the goal. That's why you go out with an, an established band. You know, and, I have to, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, I have to correct myself now that my brain is ticking and talking really slowly. It was not the specials. It was the English beat that. they. Uh, uh, OK. Yeah, so That's so uh, so mirror in the bathroom, uh, not message to you, Rudy. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, by the way, I once uh, I went to Marist College in Poughkeepsie. So I did once oh. go to a show at the at the Vassar gym and uh, I saw Fugazi for like four dollars. And this was in like oh. the mid 90s. So like they were, you know, there. Uh, so it was one of those like, oh, yeah, I checked them out. And um, also as a complete aside, I uh, I saw Chris Rock at uh, Vassar. And uh, they, the biggest venue they had, I guess, was their chapel. And he was in the middle of a very Chris Rock style act. And he's like, wait a minute, 
I'm in a fucking church. You know, <laughs> it's just like, and everybody starts to laugh and he's like, yeah, you're not the one saying this. <laughs> you know, so but, I was uh, enough, uh, at the, in Poughkeepsie as well, the mid Hudson civic center. I was, uh, it was general admission. So I pushed myself way up front for the stop making sense, talking heads tour. Oh, wow. And, uh, I guess it was 84, 85. Uh, yeah. And I remember I was going to go with a whole bunch of friends, a, bu- a bunch of buddies of mine. And at the last minute, everyone bailed. And I had my GA ticket. I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go. And I went and being alone at a show, actually, it gave me more mobility. So I could, you know, just weasel my way right up front. And I saw the show. And as probably a lot of your listeners uh, are aware of it, you know, that was this epic uh, historic tour that, ended up uh, being a, a movie um, directed by uh, what, how come Jonathan Demi, Jonathan Demi. Yeah. And about six months later, the movie came out and I went to see it and it was getting these rave reviews. It's the greatest concert film ever made. And oh my God, it's going to blow you away. And yes, in retrospect, it is a fantastic concert film. One of the best ever made. But back then I like just seen the concert live, like right up front. So I went <laughs> to the movies and I'm like, yes, this isn't as good as uh, right, as but that's because yeah. I just saw the actual thing. So unfair <laughs> comparison. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's uh, Poughkeepsie is one of those uh, interesting little spots on the map. You know, when bands can tour extensively, uh, you know, they would uh, you know get a, get in there. There's a, a venue still open uh, called the Chance there that uh, is I remember. Still open? I thought that closed like a few. Years I, ago. I think it did close, but then I think it reopened. I remember seeing Blink 182 like very early in their career, uh, and and now you know they reunite and they play stadiums, and you know tickets are like you know five hundred to a thousand dollars. But I I think yeah, that's I've, another one that I spent I've, like five bucks for. <laughs> I've played the chance a couple of times and I, I saw Robert Cray there back in the 90s and the eighties, I think, but um, yeah, that's a great venue, you know, but I, I thought it had closed. That's great that it's, it's. Yeah. Hanging. Well, I, you know, it, it's been a few years since I've been there, but I know within the last five years, I knew somebody that went there, but it, it could have closed uh, since then, but uh, up until recently. And uh, you know, look, I think that uh, it, it's, interesting you know because obviously somewhere like poughkeepsie it's it's basically right between new york and albany there's a lot of like big shows you can go to but when somebody is in the town in it's closer to you especially when i was there in college i'm like oh yeah i'll I'll go certainly go see fugazi for five dollars you know what i mean so it's uh um, but, uh, what are, uh, some places that, uh, obviously with fastest land, land animal or in general, do you find that when you go and do a show and maybe a place that's a little bit, a little bit more out of the way, uh, our audiences just, you know, a little bit more amped up because maybe not as many bands come there, you know? I mean, we, we love playing, uh, everywhere, but you know, sometimes when you're playing in like New York city or LA, uh, you know, people are, are are inundated with with concerts and opportunities and bands. And so you really got to swing for the fences to, you know, snap people out of their their sort of uh, they're, they're very hip and they're very sophisticated um, and they've seen it all. And they're, they're sort of jaded in a way. Um, yeah. But, you know, New York's my hometown, so I love playing there. And, and I spent a lot of time in L.A., did a lot of uh, recording there. Uh, and there's just so many great venues there. But I love playing, uh, like, the Midwest and the Rust Belt. Um, love playing in Texas. Uh, but, you know, you go into a city like, I don't know, like Toledo. Um, or um, or where else? Or, you know, even Detroit, which is a bigger city. And... Uh, the people are just so nice. They're so welcoming. And those cities really have a lot to offer that, you know, if you're spending most of your time uh, on the coast, you don't get to experience uh, the great restaurants and the, and the great uh, art galleries and uh, the great music stores that these um, St. Louis is another great town that we love playing in. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, part of the fun of touring is that you get to travel, you get to go to places that you wouldn't normally go to. Um, and you get to have these experiences and meet these people. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've 
talk to musicians and you'll talk to comedians and sometimes it's you know you'll be like oh how was you know such and such a city is like well the uh you know the the four seasons that i was in all right up until showtime was great just like the four seasons in the last city so when you actually get out and you get to you know go and uh and and, and actually check out the city i think it can kind of help you kind of get a vibe for what the crowds are going to be like too and uh you know i think it's a uh, it's probably interesting, you know, when uh, more with uh, baseball players because they'll play so many games when they travel. When you get like that off day in a city, and you're like, you yeah, have to go to the park, you know. That's another thing that you know. Typically, you'll you'll spend most of your time either traveling or you know in a hotel room, and then soundtrack, and you know, then you eat and then a cake. You usually eat in the venue, and then you play your gig, and then you know, then you're kind of tired. You, you got to either leave right away or you know go to sleep and leave early in the morning. Uh, so you, you definitely don't get to see as much of these places as you, you'd like to, but you know, we've played a place like another city just brings to mind Cleveland, you know, been there a bunch of times with the band and they have this really cool thing where um, if you are a touring band, you can get free admission to the rock and roll hall of fame, which is oh, wow. great. I don't know if uh, they still do that or, if they're going to be mad at me now, they're going to have bands banging on their doors saying, let us in for free. <laughs> but uh, last couple of times we were there, that's, that's, that was the deal. And, uh, you know, again, Cleveland's one of these towns that, and, and, you know, there's a lot of great cities in Ohio alone, you know, Columbus, uh, Cincinnati. So, um, but like you said, it, you don't, it, you know, you're not on, vaca on vacation. You can't really hang there unless you have a day off or something like that, which try and, bake that in a little bit to, to the travel plan. Right. Yeah. You want to be able to, uh, you know, slow it down and not, uh, especially if you're doing one of those extensive tours where you're, you know, you got to get on the bus because, you know, it's like, well, we have to, we have to be like, you know, 17 hours from here by uh, it, within 24 hours. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, to Vancouver and it's an 18 hour drive <laughs> and it shows, yeah. you know, a day and a half <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm glad to hear that uh, you were able to get out on the road and, uh, you know, get some of this music out yeah. there and that uh, people responded well to it. Uh, what, uh, what would people tend to say to you, you know, if they, if they ran into you after your set, you know, uh, sniffing around the merch table, if they ran into you, uh, what, what do you think consistently people just, Hey, we like the songs. Is it that simple? Yeah. Hey, you guys are great. You know, where are you from? Yeah. Um, what was that one song you did that sounded like this, you know, and where, mm -hmm. where can I, where, where can I see you? Where, when are you coming back to town? Where are you playing next? And, and how yeah. can I buy, um, you know, if the merch isn't already there available, like where can I get your album and where are you streaming and that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, and, and then that's the good thing when the answer is, you know, everywhere, you know, it's not like, oh, uh, you have to, <laughs> you have to get this one app that you've never heard of. And, right. uh, you know, yeah, appropriately works. enough, the new album being called uh, East Coast, West Coast, In Between. We're talking about uh, sort of covering that kind of ground. And uh, I'm glad to hear that there's uh, there's big tour plans uh, afoot. Uh, so you said that really what happened for the second album is that, uh, you know, there were just plenty more songs. Uh, and I know that the second one just came out, but uh, I assume you guys are probably ready. You've got some more ideas in mind for uh, just to keep it going in uh, future records. Not for this yeah. year, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we um, I'm always writing music. I, I'm part of this. Uh, it's called The Song Game. Uh, it's basically basically uh, I've, I've been in it for about almost like 18 years now or 15 years, 18 years. It's run by a, a buddy of mine who's a singer-songwriter out of Austin, Texas. His name's Bob Schneider. And the idea is that there's a group of, it goes up and down, but it's normally around 18 or 20 singer-songwriters or musicians on this email chain. Every week, Bob comes up with a phrase or a word. And within that week, the deadline is, let's say, Tuesday. You have to write and record a song and send it out to the group, incorporating that word or phrase. Um, and then you don't, comment on everyone else's songs you just listen to them if you want you know when you can um but the idea is that you're writing a song a week you're exercising your just like any other muscle your your songwriting brain needs to work out and needs practice and it gets you know 
I don't want to say easier, but it kind of gets easier the more you do it. Um, of course, you know, inspiration is drawn from who knows where. Some people call it muse, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. But um, at the end of the year, you've got 52 songs. Some of them may be terrible. Some of them may be half-baked, but there's a good idea there. Some of them may be like pretty much done. So that in and of itself forces me to write songs. And I can write, you know, in my mind, I can say, okay, I'm going to write a song this week that's going to be fast. It's going to be perfect for fastest land animals. So that's what I'm focusing on. So, yeah, I'm always collecting songs or bits of songs. And then if I'm deciding, okay, we're going to record an album, then I sort through all the pieces, glue them together. Um, then I'll work with, you know, Don, our producer, to craft the structures of the songs um, with what I have. Um, and then we're off to the races. Well, this uh, concept of the uh, text chain is uh, kind of fascinating. How often do you think it, it happens where, you know, obviously not having heard each other's work, but uh, people come up with somewhat similar ideas using the same phrase? Is it ever like, oh, hey, that's funny. They kind of came up with the, these two other people came up with uh, something similar or is it always just so different because everybody's mind's different? Yeah, it's usually different. What's funny is that a lot of us will come out with albums around the same time and we'll have a lot like three songs that have the exact same name. <laughs> right. Songs totally different. But yeah. Uh, yeah, cause we're all, we all have our own, we're all pretty diverse musicians. So uh, yeah, we've never run into that issue. It's just the titles could be similar. Like right. Those. Yeah. No, that's uh but I mean, it seems like a great idea. Sort of what you're talking about is, uh, you know, just basically, keeping keeping the 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 metaphorical tool you know polished you know if if you were to uh, hypothetically stop doing that and then a year from now like oh okay i need to do a new album you know it might uh, take a little while to get back into it you know so i think continuing to write and record having to do it every week i mean forcing yourself i'm sure that that uh, only is a, a huge advantage to the creative process i've got to do it if i don't do it i'll, I'll wither and and just die i just that's like necessary part of my life yeah um, and the same thing you know it's it's the touring thing went away for a while but that's really critical too to, to you know just get your performances like polished and you know, to a point by polished i mean when i'm on stage and i'm performing i don't want to be thinking about what i'm doing i want to be right. thinking about how i'm interacting with the crowd and you know who I'm going to look at and where I'm going to go next on stage, not what I'm singing or what I'm playing or what the lyrics are that that's got to be muscle memory. Um, so you can be focused on putting on the show, you know, you got to memorize your lines. You got to have that coming in. Um, and the, you know, the way to get good at that is practice and, and doing it like playing live. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times I've had occasion to talk to, artists who it's like oh you know how does it feel to have that one song you always have to play and usually it's like you know what i'm glad that people like that song that much and it's like it's oh, kind of yeah. comfortable and you know i mean it, a lot of bands if you're like well here's here's like 20 different versions of the same song it's like they don't always sound exactly the same you know and it's uh it's interesting you know how some sometimes you'll get a different interpretation of stuff you know it's uh just uh i think it's much worse when you're a fan and, uh, you know, you have those bands that are like, yeah, we don't, we, we're not, we're here to not play the songs that you want to hear, you know? And, uh, that's always a little bit of a bummer when you know that a band has that reputation, you know? So I mean, people work hard all week long and they save their money and they're paying you to have this experience. So you're working, you know, if you're on stage, you're working for the crowd, not the other way around. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta deliver. Right. Yeah. Look, if, if you decided as a band to do your, uh, I don't mean you personally, if a band has decided to do their new album in sequence to, you know, share it with everybody, that's fine. Just come back out for that, that second set of uh, just a couple of, <laughs> couple of greatest hits as, as it were, you know, it's, uh, right. you know, and, and always let us know ahead of time that uh, we're, uh, there was one time where I went to see Smashing Pumpkins having no idea that they were playing a brand new album to start the show. And I was like, oh, I guess I guess we're in this. And had I known ahead of time, I could have decided if I still wanted to go. Don't surprise us, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, well, let you us know what we're getting. 
What if the Eagles, they're going on tour, they're playing Hotel California, yep. the back, and then their encore is the greatest hits that weren't on yeah. California. I mean, I saw, so this is going back six years, I saw Springsteen do The River, which is a double album. He did it in its entirety. And being Springsteen, he still played like another maybe two and a half hours after that. Yeah, you know? four-hour shows. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's in his mid seventies and uh, people are starting to be like, well, he charges an awful lot for his concert. I'm like, well, wouldn't you, you know, if you, if you amortize, if you amortize it out, like an hour to hour basis, you're getting your money's worth with the spring. Yeah. Or do it per song. And then you're really not spending and You really anything. get your money's worth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, screaming Jack Novak. Uh, I always love when we get a chance to talk. Uh, I, I enjoy everything I hear from fastest land animal. And uh, I, I hope that uh, the, the tour really does cover East coast, West coast and in between, but selfishly West coast, because that's where I live because uh, I've, I've never seen these songs performed live. Uh, but uh, I hope that uh, I get an opportunity uh, fastest land animal band. That's the best like one-stop shop for everything. Right. Yep. Christian. Thank you. And we're on all the streaming services as well. And, uh yeah yeah the album's out now right and uh for our our audio audience uh we will uh actually uh go with the song that uh, you mentioned is a police cover uh, next to you people hear that on the way out uh jack uh really appreciate the time thanks so much thanks christian have a good night buddy you too bye-bye what can i do for listening to The Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D- M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. No one's going to see this anyway, so I can admit this here, right? Well, this has been the Bladcast. I am your host. (laughs) You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. The Bladcast. Welcome to the stream. Who are you? One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Blackcast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast with me and Carl. It was a great show, if I remembered it. But if I was on, it must have been great, right? Give myself a bill. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. Don't worry. Next week will be our special on Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed.